Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. You know, a life with no problems, no difficulties, could lead a person to a false sense of security. Sometimes we're tempted to think that those who experience problems in life are ones who need to repent, that God is angry with them. But Jesus today reminds us that we all need to repent, regardless of our life's circumstances. Today's sermon is based on Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Our message is entitled, Asking the Right Questions. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. This morning's gospel reading in the words of our sermon text from the gospel of Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. He answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all perish too. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the people living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all perish too. He told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it, but he did not find any. So he said to the gardener, look, for three years now I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree and I found none. Cut it down. Why even let it use up the soil? But the gardener replied to him, sir, leave it alone this year also until I dig around it and put fertilizer on it. If it produces fruit next year, fine. But if not, then cut it down. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. In his name, dear fellow recipients of grace. Asking the right question is an important skill to learn in life. If you're interviewing for a job that you really want to land and you make it to the end of the interviewer and they ask you, do you have any questions for us? It's probably not a good idea to say, yeah, I was wondering, how strict are you about workers getting to work on time in the morning? Is that a big deal to you? It's not the right question. If a police officer pulls you over for speeding as he makes his way to your driver's side window, it probably isn't a good idea to look at him and say, did you see how fast I took that turn back there? Wasn't that awesome? Not the right question. This morning we have the opportunity to listen in on a conversation that took place between Jesus and some people who had come to listen to him preach and teach. And in so doing, we get a far better idea of how to correctly respond to a couple of, of different important issues in life. Today, Jesus helps us to think about asking the right questions. Asking the right questions, first of all, in the wake of life's tragedies. It has been absolutely devastating and heartbreaking 
to watch the footage coming out of Ukraine these days. We can scarcely imagine what they're going through. People whose homes have been bombed to the point of unrecognizable. People in hospital beds who are wounded. People grieving who've lost loved ones. People fleeing from a country they've lived in all of their lives with only as much as they can carry in their arms. They have no idea where they're going to go live or what will happen next. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking tragedies have sadly always been a part of our sin-ruined world. Luke tells us that as Jesus taught the crowd, some people informed him about some tragedy that we aren't told about any other place in Scripture, but one which was obviously on the minds of many at that time. They told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So we put the pieces together and we would say that apparently there were some believing Jews from up in Galilee who made their way down to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, to offer sacrifices, and while they're there at the temple offering sacrifices, Pilate, for some reason, sends his henchmen to put them to death. Our Lord's reaction Imagine how surprised the people were when Jesus said, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all, you will all perish too. And then in order to drive his point home, Jesus gives another example of an ancient tragedy. Eighteen people were crushed and died when a tower in Siloam fell on them. Jesus asks, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the people living in Jerusalem? Jesus knows everything and can read hearts. And so from the way that he responded, it's obvious what those people who asked him the question were thinking. And what probably lots of people back in Jesus' day were thinking, that those Galileans must have been guilty of some terrible sin, that God was horribly angry with them to have caused a tragedy like that. Do you ever catch yourself thinking that way in life, in the wake of some tragedy, even for a moment? There's this thought that comes across your mind that says, wonder why that happened. God must be really angry at them. I mean, when bad things happen to bad people, we sinfully find ourselves okay with that. We figure that maybe somehow they're getting what they deserve. Maybe God wants to teach them a lesson about some immoral living that they're partaking in. And then we conclude that if no tragedy comes and barges its way into our life, that it must be because we've been living such good lives. But what is Jesus teaching us with his response? He's teaching us to ask the right question. You see, in the wake of tragedies, it's not for us to try to speculate why God allowed things to happen that he allowed to happen. Now, there were times in the Bible when God connected some tragedy 
to his purpose behind it. For instance, when he sent his people of Israel through a time of drought or famine or eventually allowed the Babylonian captivity because they had strayed from him and he was trying to call them back to him in repentant faith, or when the Israelites were grumbling in the wilderness, as we heard from Paul earlier, and the Lord sent them venomous snakes to kind of wake them up and turn their hearts back to him in repentant faith. Happened in the New Testament too. There's a married couple named Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the congregation about an offering that they were willing to give to the Lord, and God struck them both dead because of their sin. And then sometimes there are just the, the direct and immediate consequences that someone suffers because of some sin. As they say, if you play with fire, you may well get burned, and we can connect those dots. But most often... The ways of God remain a mystery to us. And he has not asked us to try to speculate why things have happened as they do. It's not our job to ever judge those who suffered some tragedy, drawing some definitive conclusion about why it happened. And God certainly isn't calling on us to try to judge his ways. Because you see the problem with this, don't you? When we try to connect some tragedy with someone's sinful behavior, then the implication is that because nothing like that has happened to us, God must be fine with us, the, the clean, godly, obedient life that we've been living. Really? Not a day goes by in my life when I haven't done some things where I behave like God's sworn enemy. And the same is true for you. We are sinners. As we confessed at the opening of our service, miserable sinners in the eyes of our God who have deserved only his wrath and punishment. Look, in the wake of tragedies, friends, the question is not, well, what awful sin did they commit to have that happen to them? The question is rather, sinner that I am, why would anything good ever happen to me? So notice Jesus' response to the crowd. When they wanted to focus on what happened to others, Jesus said, no, I want you to focus on you. He says, unless you repent, you will all perish too. Now, now think about Jesus' point there. If they wanted to know whether it was because of some scandalous sin that God allowed that tragedy, they should be clear that we are all sinners who deserve God's eternity of tragedies. Asking the right questions in the wake of tragedies means that instead of speculating why something bad happened to someone, we rather ought to wonder to ourselves, sinner that I am, am I repentant? Am I living my life humbly mindful of my desperate need for my Savior's forgiving love and his mercy that I don't deserve even the smallest blessing from God? And am I living my life in a way that, that shows that that's what I truly believe? Because life is fragile and any moment could be our last. Tragedies happen. And after we think about that and apply to ourselves this question, am I living a life of humble and repentant faith? Then how about offering up a, a prayer? 
for those who have experienced that tragedy, asking for God's help and blessing. And then if there's some way that we can be of help or or support or encouragement, then we do so out of love for Jesus. But you look at this text even more carefully. When Jesus says, unless you repent, you will all perish too, what is he really saying? He isn't saying that if we don't repent, then we should brace ourselves for some tragedy in life to befall us. He's rather talking about our eternity and where we'll spend it. And so in this portion of God's Word, Jesus not only teaches us about the right question to ask in the wake of tragedies, he's also teaching us about asking the right questions in light of your time of grace. Your time of grace are the days that the Lord has given you to have the Holy Spirit work faith in your heart through the gospel and word and sacrament to believe it, to grow in faith, and to serve your Lord in faith. That's your time of grace. But but your time of grace ends either the moment that you die or the moment that judgment day begins, whichever comes first. And at that moment, our time is up. There's no more time left for repenting or coming to faith. So how we treat our time of grace becomes critically important. And in order to help us with that, Jesus tells us a parable It's a parable about a vineyard owner who planted a fig tree in his vineyard and looked for fruit. For three years, that fig tree bore no fruit. And so the owner of the vineyard ordered his worker to cut it down. Why should it waste the soil that it's setting in? But his gardener pleaded on behalf of the fig tree. He said, look, I'll I'll dig around it, I'll fertilize it, I'll take care of it. If after another year of that kind of TLC it doesn't bear any fruit, fine, then cut it down. But let's give it another year. The meaning of the parable is pretty simple. You, Christian, are that fig tree. The Lord your God, the vineyard owner, has graciously planted you in his vineyard, in the kingdom of God. He did that when he brought you to faith through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. In that vineyard, your faith grows and flourishes and brings forth forth the fruits of faith as our Lord shines down on you with the abundant sunshine of his gospel. You bring forth fruit as God gently showers you with the refreshing rains of his amazing grace. He feeds your soul and he cares for your soul on a daily basis. And yet, in spite of that, how cold and callous our sinful nature is toward those heavenly hands that care for us in that way. Tempted by the deceptive warmth of life's cares and this world's sinful pleasures, we let our growth get stunted. The freezing temperatures of my apathy toward the things of God or the refusal to tend to the care of my soul, not paying attention to the Lord, threatens my harvest. 
The vicious storms of life that come howling and blowing do damage to my tree and threaten to uproot my faith altogether. Every single day of my life, I fall short of producing the kinds of fruit which the Lord rightly expects from me, and I come to recognize that because of my sin, I deserve to be cut down and thrown into the fires of hell eternally. But in stunning grace, Jesus steps out of heaven and becomes one of us. In his unmatched mercy, Jesus stands between me and the acts that I deserve. And instead of cutting me down and being done with me, he bore the cross and all of its shame in my place. And he graciously keeps on caring for me. And he uses my time of grace to turn up the soil of my heart with his law, to feed it, water it, and fertilize it with his nutritious gospel to prune me patiently throughout my days, to be present with me through the gospel and word and sacrament for all of my time here. Asking the right questions. This parable is directed at those who think that repentance and bearing the fruits of faith every day in our lives isn't really very important. Friend, the right question to ask regarding our time of grace is not well, how much longer can I kind of put off walking a closer walk of faith with the Lord my God who has saved me? The right question is rather, am I living ready right now? And knowing what's at stake, how could I not take every available opportunity on a daily basis for my heart to be turned up with the law and then planted, watered, and fertilized with this wonderful gospel that will keep me in the one true faith, this gospel that will inspire me to be more and more fruitful in my works of faith. It has been hard to watch those heartbreaking reports out of Ukraine. The tears and the fears and the uncertainty, the suffering, the pain, the destruction. Instead of asking why, ask the right question. Ask knowing just how fragile life is and knowing that any moment could be my last, unworthy sinner though I am, am I living a life of daily, humble repentance and trusting in Jesus? Am I staying in contact with the Word of God? Am I staying actively connected to Jesus? Is this gospel leading me to produce abundant fruits of faith in my life? Friend, heed the call of your Savior today and every day. Unless you repent, he says, you will all perish too. Live a life of daily repentance, turning away from sin and laying hold of the Savior from it. Live a life of daily repentance. God in Christ has graciously taken all of your sins away and has reconciled you to himself. And he did that so that you can know, 
so that you can trust, you can believe every single day that God so loved you that he gave you his only begotten son so that believing in him, you will never perish. Amen. Amen.